Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer-Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols and Gongs. Make sure you follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, they've got some video lessons and stuff on their website, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But they have a special announcement on June 10th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Third Coast Recording Company in Grand Haven, Michigan. They are having a Dream Hang, which will be a symbol and beverage tasting event featuring a performance with Scott Pellegrom and his band. Um, so, yeah, if you're in the Grand Haven, Michigan area on June 10th, you want to go over to Third Coast Recording Company and check it out and hang out. Check out some cymbals. Watch Scott uh, Pelligrown play with his band. Check it out. Now let's get rolling. What is up, everyone? And welcome into episode 144 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. Holy hell! One million downloads. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. Mike and I seriously appreciate it. All right, now, let's talk about today's episode. After Mike and I get all caught up and have a little bit of Johnston v. Dawson banter, which is always healthy, then we're going to talk education, we'll talk about building your independence, and we'll be talking about how Mike and I have built our independence in the past and are still building our independence today. After that, we're going to take a deep dive into our favorite drum solos and play you tons of audio clips. Then we're going to get into some gear review and check out the KMI bot pad. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our fix of the week. So let's get started. Okay, that was Tony Pickler, or how would you say it? Tony Pitchler Pickler? I, I, you know, I've actually talked to Tony on the phone before. He was a longtime Mike's Lesson student, super nice guy, educator uh, in his hometown, and I never asked for his last name. So okay. I always said Pitchler, but Pitchler. it could be Pickler. All right, who knows? But he's got, that was his intro groove. He's playing a... Uh, PDP what kind of dismissive crap was that? <laughs> who knows? Who cares? I mean, that's more tr- dis- dismissive at my inability to read what okay. P-I-C-H-L-E-R is. Yeah. <laughs> I went with Pitchler. I think that's what Amber would say when she would read his questions out loud. Super nice guy. Great player. So what's uh, what kind of gear is he running? He's got a PDP concept maple kit with a 22-inch kick and a 5.5-inch deep snare. Those are the Sabian AAX Freak hi-hats. Ooh, those are, those are pretty cool. Um, he looks like he's using pretty standard mic setup. He's got AKG D112 on the kick and Audix I5 on the snare. He's got the these Roswell Mini K47s or his overheads. Those actually have, and I need to review those. So that was cool to hear those on his recording. He's using Cubase and a Steinberg interface. So cool. Cool beat, nice. Tony. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Oh, and by the way, for all of you out there, if you want to get 
your stuff played as our intro or outro, please send it in. Uh, and what are the guidelines once you're done sipping? I was trying to hold off as long as I could. I'm sorry about that. What are the guidelines, Mr. Dobbs? <laughs> uh, really, in no particular. I mean, you can play whatever you want. I mean, it's up to you. Um, just make sure you put your name in the audio file itself so I can kind of keep track of it. We're actually running low, so now would be the time to get your your butt off the computer screen and to your drum kit yeah. and record something. There you go. And we have proven that we are not biased uh, when it comes to recording quality. You want to record it on your phone, record it on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just show us that you're trying, and we're and we're good with it. So, uh, and, okay, first, oh, go ahead. I was say number one. We've we've the, as of this week, we've crossed the million downloads. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty wild. I've never That's done a million of anything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Do they send us a like a platinum podcast mic? What the hell happened here? <laughs> no, they're like, yeah, finally. Jeez, how long have you been doing this show? <laughs> Jesus. My son, he's eight and he's got a podcast. He had a million on week one. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> All he does is talk about Capri Suns and finding out new body parts. All right, so that sounded weird. Moving on. That's awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, let me start over. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome into episode 144. That was Tony Pickler in the intro. I, can't, I know. I can't even get through like eight seconds without being a moron. Okay. Uh, firstly, firstly, well, whatever. I need to apologize for uh, last week's audio. Uh, Mike said before we started that my mic sounded like it was backwards. I was... I was kind of rushing around. I had drum camp going, and I did everything correctly except for I opened the wrong Pro Tools file. So I recorded everything and did it with my presets for my overhead. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I just I just opened up Drum Lesson Pro Tools session <laughs> and was like, that looks like an empty track. Let's throw it on there and. Yeah, so and I didn't even go in to mix it. I was so rushed trying to get everything ready and get you the files before the campers got here that I just did the quickest edit based off visualization. Like, oh, there's yeah. some wave files. Clear <laughs> all the dead space out before that. And then, yeah, once you mentioned it to me, you said, yeah, things sound a little weird. I went back and opened the file, and I was like, oh, my God, that's my overhead channel. So <laughs> That makes sense. explains it. So, yeah, there's, like, no low end and, like, some yeah. some weird compression going on. Oh, compression, well. yeah, probably, like, kind of pumping in and out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my overhead channel. There you go. That's what, that's what podcasting through your overhead channel sounds like. Uh, it was just an experiment. I'm glad everyone learned from it. And that's what I'm about. I'm about education. Uh, if you want to check out mikeslessons.com, you can learn how to record your podcast through your overhead <laughs> and your kick channel as well. I'll show you how to only go low end, only low end through your <laughs> kick channel. Uh, anyway, so what's new with you, buddy? Um, what is new? Nothing particular with me. I mean, I've been having fun just kind of practicing again and not having you have anything. Power. Yeah, I have power. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing super crazy. I mean, we're gearing up for festival season, so a lot of right. weekend shows are coming up. You know, but nothing, nothing particular wow. at the moment. Um, and this is a this is going to be a weird year for you because you're gearing up to cover festivals and you're gearing up to play your first drum festival. Yeah, that's that's got to be kind of new, I would assume. Uh, I'm trying not to think about it, actually. Okay, well, let's <laughs> let's dig into that. It's so nerve wracking, and you stare at all the famous drummers in the front row. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. Uh, uh, no, I have a lot of like outdoor kind of like 
you know, all the all the towns around here have their own festivals throughout the summer, so there's always live music. Okay. So I got a lot of those coming up, which those are fun. But it's you know, it's like every weekend I'll be traveling you know, a couple hundred miles every weekend. But it's all good. That's what we do. That's what drummers. That's do. cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, and that's good though too. Even though drum festivals are quite a bit different than music festivals, being on stage is being on stage. And yeah, if you're comfortable yeah. with that, you know, I, I can't imagine being this incredible savant like basement drummer and then having to do a drum festival because somebody saw me on the internet and that's oh, yeah. I, I just can't imagine that um doing PASIC for the first time was something where right when you walk out on stage all the touring experience kicks in and you go okay yes yeah, i'm gonna like be home. playing by yeah. myself but i i've done this before i know what i'm doing i i'm not I'm not freaked out by lights in my face. I'm not freaked, you know, because you have that experience. And, no. and since you're doing outdoor festivals, you definitely have the experience of everything going wrong. Oh, yeah, totally. So nothing I mean, trips you up because that's when things you, you I know you've been in the crowd when the when the clinician starts to blame front of house or blame like, <laughs> look, I'm hella good, but you got my wedge like way too loud. So I can't really be me right now. I mean, that's I'm going to say there's been a legendary drummer who flipped an absolute wig at a festival a couple of years ago. <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh, oh yeah! Like drumsticks <laughs> were being thrown. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And we might have featured him last week. <laughs> no, wait, I don't. Damn it! I don't remember what last week was. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, I do. I oh, totally yeah. do. Oh yeah, yeah. He totally went nuts. Really? Yep. And actually, my favorite flip out of all time was in college. Uh, Marky Ramone brought his his band to my town, Morgantown, West Virginia. And they played, you know, the one rock club in town. And he absolutely wigged out so bad about the monitor. I guess it was too loud or something. Okay. He, like, destroyed the monitor, kicked it over. Wow. They played, like, five songs, and then he just stormed off the stage. It was like, show's over. Adios. <laughs> you know, if you notice, the crowd never gets on board for the flip out because the crowd is not experiencing what the drummer's experiencing. So what the drummer's complaining about no one knew it was happening. You yeah, have to, no. re- you know what I mean. It's like it's different if you flip out. If you're at PASIC and someone throws a Coors Light bottle at your head, <laughs> then the crowd's going to get on board for your flip out on that, right? <laughs> Sorry, PASIC. I know you guys don't allow beer, but but if it's just you and you're in your mix, the oh, crowd yeah. doesn't know what you're hearing. So you have to. That's part of being a drum festival drummer, a drum set clinician. Is hold your stuff together. Complain about it to your wife on the phone at midnight when you get back to the hotel, but no one cares. Yeah. They're there to yeah. see you do your thing. So, um, by the way, speaking of drum festivals, uh, I just got the full lineup for oh, cool. the UK drum festival that I'll be performing at. So I wanted to give that out to people that are considering going to that, especially if you're not just because you don't live in Manchester or England. That doesn't that shouldn't stop you. This is an amazing drum festival. Uh, so it is uh, being held at a place called Manchester Central. Uh, you can just go to theukdrumshow.com for all the actual details. But I wanted to give you guys the lineup because it's getting pretty insane. So uh, do you remember when we covered Chris Turner from is it oh, Ocean's yeah. 8 Alaska? Oh, yeah. Okay, so he got added. Uh, Stanton Moore. Uh, he's in a band called Galactic. New up-and-coming guy. Really good pocket. Yeah, deep uh, feel. Uh, Check Harry's, him out. Harry's not bad. <laughs> yeah, he's on Instagram. You can follow him. Uh, ben Greb. He's on it. Uh, Benjamin, it. all Benjamin. Benjamin Greb, yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, Calvin Rogers just got added to it. Cool. He is probably Legend. one of my biggest early influences. Uh, the teacher that I was studying with when I was about fifteen gave me a Kimberell Live album that Calvin was on, cool. uh, and Calvin couldn't have been much older than me at the time, and it changed my viewpoint on drumming. It was 
real gospel drumming. You mm-hmm. know, one fill per every two songs, but it but they were the the fills where you go, what the heck was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the pocket was just incredible. So Calvin Rogers, he just got added to the minor roster as well. He's now a minor artist, so I'm really excited to meet him and Man. more than anything, just thank him for the years and decades of influence. Richard Spaven is on it, amazing. Russ Miller, my kind of uh, smackdown stepbrother, the guy that always gives me advice that hurts my feelings in the moment, but then I learned a ton from it. Uh, Rashid Williams, Jamie Morrison, Greg Hutchinson just got added, myself, Josh Dion, and JoJo Mayer. That's pretty monumental. Man. It's a... I know. Every time I get an email, I'm like, could you stop adding people, please? Like, Jesus. Just need to uh, add a, you know, a Dennis Chambers or a Dave Weckl and Right. Yeah. Or, or Vince. Yeah. I always say that these like festivals like this are like grabbing an issue of Modern Drummer and shaking it and just everyone falls out of the pages. And yeah. Is that a, it's when, incredible. What are the dates for that? Um, Is it over a weekend? Yes. I know that I'm playing on one of the days. Uh, so it's Saturday. <laughs> Shut up. Just let me get through this. It's Saturday, September 29th, um, and Sunday, September 30th. And okay, cool. I'm pretty sure I'm on the Saturday. I'll, I'll check and give you guys more. We're, we're a little ways out on that one, but I'll give you guys more details. I'll also probably have full details on my Asia tour by next week. I know I'm hitting Tokyo, Jakarta, uh, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, Bangkok, Thailand, a bunch of other places. So I'll give you guys all the dates and times for that. So should be awesome. fun, man. Dig it. So I'll take, speaking of drum clinics and festivals, I've found that I get way more nervous when I'm on the floor in a small room with a group of people rather than on a stage with a PA system. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, you know what it is? I don't get nervous. I actually get um, kind of bashful about hitting the drums and, and assaulting oh, people's sure. face. <laughs> it's like that's more the problem for me. Yeah. Um, I I was blown away by Ash Sohn's ability to be himself at the dynamic that you would expect Mark to play with. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I did the camp with him in Ireland, he was doing his Ash thing, playing a halftime shuffle, playing all of his fills, doing his reggae one-drop stuff. Every crash was just the tip of the stick on the bell of the crash symbol. Um, the snare never caused you to plug your ears. He's, I was like, wow, I just didn't, you know, I mean, somebody that lives in the studio has that, I wouldn't say monotone, but they're so consistent and control drop by 40%. I'm like, well, how could you do that? If you've trained your whole life to hit perfectly for the microphone and to allow the drum to do its job. And he, I even asked him, I said, dude, do you normally crash by hitting the tip of the stick on the bell and then he just said no but there's somebody four feet away from me so what do you want me to do and i was like oh i hell it never occurred to me man i want you to make their ears bleed that's what i want you to do exactly that way i can be like ash that was a little aggressive let me show you how it's done but no um yeah it, it can be tough because you you feel like you lose a little bit of physical physical control by bringing the dynamics down um, and then if you play the way you play, you feel a little guilty. You're kind of like, oh, I wish you guys all brought earplugs. But then you think, do you really want to hear me going muffled? So <laughs> I I'm with you, bring man. A, it can I be bring tough. a box of earplugs every time I go. And just if you want them, here they are. I've got well, a, that, there you go. I've got That's like a, a great box solution, of like 500 man. earplugs. <laughs> That's a great solution. Uh, well, before we get started and uh, start <clears throat> talking about our favorite drum solos, are we going to do drum solos or are we going to do education first? What are you feeling? I think we should 
I think we should do the. I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> Let's go education. We'll gear okay. up. We'll, we'll get everybody ready for it. But oh, before oh, we do that, I want to. Yeah. Uh, we have to mention about the contest. I don't want to get too far into the episode before we talk about that. So the folks at Ultimate Ears are actually going to be creating a nice, clean entry form for us to post. It's not quite ready yet. It will be ready soon, maybe even by the time you listen to this episode. So be look out for. You know, we'll be posting it on Modern Drummer's Facebook page. Probably Mike and I will share it in different ways, but there will be Definitely. a website where you can enter. Um, I don't think they're going to have any. We're going to have any kind of like entry you terms. Just enter. You just enter. Yeah. So there's no. And they're a third party. I trust them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, they have no favorites. So uh, I'm still honestly kind of blown away by this whole thing. I'm also blown away by the prize pack. I mean, just. Thanks to Ultimate Ears for stepping up. Yeah. Um, so as a reminder, they're giving really cool. away a free set of custom old six uh, Pro. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. I know and, we always mess <laughs> and their SoundTap personal monitor mixer thing, which is awesome. And then a second package will have a set of the uh, 900 non-custom molds, and also with a SoundTap. So two pretty Absolutely awesome amazing. things. So we'll be pushing that around for the next couple of weeks. But keep listening and checking the different websites, social media, and we'll announce it as soon as it's ready. Got it. All, All right. right. You want to move into some education? Okay. Let's talk about building independence. I'm not scared. Let's do it. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if you remember, but one of the coolest things that um, Modern Drummer and you ever did for me was when I was on the cover three, four years ago now, uh, you let me write an article about mm-hmm. independence. But the thing that you really that really was amazing was you – allowed me to contact and reach out to some of my heroes that I'd never spoken to and ask them about independence and get their opinion on it. And I was able to, I wasn't studying, or maybe I would had just started studying with Will Kennedy, but I was able to reach out to Will Kennedy, Todd Zuckerman, and a few others and get their opinion on it. Because I think independence starts with, do you know why you're doing this? Are you doing this because it's hard and you're trying to show your friends some type of parlor trick and just be like, I can do inverted paradiddles with my feet while I'm doing standard paradiddles with my hands. Mm. And it's like, and now that in itself can be useful if you know why you're doing it. But if you're only doing it to show to somebody else, then it's kind of living in this, like I said, this little Instagram world of, okay, cool. What did it get you? And I think we all have independence needs for different reasons. I can only imagine the independence Phil Collins needed to say, I want to sing the way I sing and play drums the way I play drums and not have the two mess with each other. That's literally something I've never tried to do is sing a song and play yeah. drums. I can't imagine. Yeah. I lucked out. I can't sing. I never had to worry about it. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, you know, when you're on stage doing a clinic, the whole time I'm playing and speaking to the crowd. Mm. And you, you um, practice that, that, right? I practice the. Sh- yep. Yeah. So how did you Out do that? It. You just like start reading text or something? I started. I started with that with my students. Yeah, we'd grab a. We'd both grab a copy of Modern Drummer. And we'd open up to a Tama ad, and I'd say, "Okay, we're going to play paradiddles on the pad, and we're not going to move away from the metronome. And while we do that, we're going to we're going to announce this Tama ad. You know, the new Star Classic Birch Babinga. <laughs> while just going, dun, dun, dun. played by Matt Garska. Um, so, so yeah, we started with things like that. I think it also comes from touring. When you're touring, you're yelling at your tech mm-hmm. while things are falling apart on stage. And you know that if you yell in quarter notes, bro, can <laughs> you, it's going to take nine minutes for him to get over, the, get you a new snare head. <laughs> so you learn how to do it that way. But eventually it got to the point where I would just improvise on the pad and speak out loud. And I would just try to deliver my clinic speech in the garage or in my practice room. 
while improvising on the practice pad and, and speaking as normal and as confident as possible. Nice. Yeah, I should probably do that maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. It just depends if you're going to speak. I mean, there's, you know, when you sit down at any drum festival or any major drum clinic, they're going to have a boom mic. And you have to think, will I ever use this while I'm playing? And mm. uh, and and me personally, I, I love doing that because I love narrating what's happening. Like, did you hear that? I was thinking about that two measures ago, you know. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. totally up to you as a clinician. But yeah, something the last, to think about. The last one I did, for whatever reason, I got winded. Like normally it's not an issue, but I actually got winded between the plane and speaking, and it was mm-hmm. really weird. I couldn't tell if it was just nervous, like taking short breaths. I didn't feel nervous, but who knows? I mean, the body just you kind know, of does what it does. I, I've experienced that so many times from clinicians that aren't on a regular basis clinicians, and they're not nervous per se. They're more nervous about the speaking than they are the drumming. The drumming was no big deal. Yeah. They grab the mic. And then all of a sudden they've realized they've got cotton mouth. They maybe rushed into speaking because they didn't understand that it's not happening as fast as you think in the moment. You do have time to take a drink of water, to towel off. It's okay that there's a little silence in the room. And so, you know, anything that's awkward in a clinic situation is a chance for you to call out the awkwardness to buy your time, buy some time with laughter. Mm-hmm. And so it's fine. I, I mean, as a clinician, you dream for cell phones to go off. That's an awesome moment, you know. Um, you dream to spot a kid that's gripping his stick super tight in the first or second row and, and just think the second you walk out on stage, you make eye contact, you go, okay, that child will be on this stage within 18 minutes, and I'm going to give him an experience that he'll never forget. I'm only going to bring him up to do something I know he can do, and the whole crowd gets on board. So that's at least when it comes to doing clinics and doing drum festivals, that's what's going through my mind the second I walk out on stage. Now, let's get back to independence. Yeah, right. So... Where does where does independence fall for you as far as thinking about it as an exercise? Does it have to be four limbs? Could you practice it just on a pad? Um, what is it? When, what's going through your mind when you're thinking I need to work on my independence? Yeah, it's a good question. If we're referencing where I'm at currently, it's it's usually if something I just can't execute kind of flawlessly or seamlessly as well as I want to right away, then I'm like, all right, what is happening? Is it the bass drum? Okay, let me now work on you know whatever that groove context is i'll just play that pattern and work on the bass drum playing all the different 16s or whatever the subdivision it is so that's it's more like a practical like where am i where do i where do i feel like i'm not comfortable and i discover it like in the moment as i'm recording or playing or improvising um so mostly for me now it's it's independence is within a musical context like what what's the groove what's the feel what's the dynamic and then am i free to do what i need to do with the bass drum or the snare drum or the right hand i think that's that's what independence brings you is freedom and when you feel a restriction anywhere it could be feel it could be actually the the ability to execute what your idea is when you feel that restriction then you know you need to work on your independence for that Um, yeah i think that Having independence allows you to have great time because if you don't have to think about the drumming, then you can think about your time. I think independence allows you to have great dynamics because if the dyna- if your drumming is so on point that it's just no big deal to you because you've practiced it a million times and you have the independence to think, am I too loud for this situation? Could my snare come up? Could my hi-hats come down? And so I think that that's where independence lies on a in a musical setting. We also know that I think any drummer that has – 
they're kind of stuck in that beginner world and they're just moving into whatever we would consider to be intermediate. And someone, whether it be a drum teacher or a website or whatever, someone gives them their first two-pedal ostinato, whether it be mm-hmm. samba or tumbao or whatever. And they try to do things they've always been able to do, like a paradiddle, and nothing happens. And everything just shuts down yeah, and yeah. just come to a grinding halt. That, I think, to me is where independence lives on just a physical level mm-hmm. is – Okay, I'm going to do a, a two-voice ostinato with my feet, and am I free to play with my hands? Um, and I definitely do not see that as a waste of time for anyone, even if they're like, well, I want to be a punk drummer. It's like, it, it doesn't matter. Independence yeah, yeah. is part of I mean, being you, a drummer. Yeah, you've got to be able to have at least two limbs on autopilot just to be able to be a, a comfortable drummer. It doesn't matter. I don't think right. it matters what the pattern is. You have to have be able to just separate some kind of a two-limb ostinato and then be free right. to play not necessarily solo, but just free to play within that no. context. Yeah, and, and to respond musically to what's happening. And, and when you think about, like, well, I'm not going to be improvising. It's like, well, you probably were when you wrote the song with your band because mm-hmm. you didn't have anything set, so you must have tried things out. And it's nice, even if somebody said, okay, it's four on the floor, two and four, four and four on the kick, two and four on the snare. Goo, ka, goo, ka. It'd be nice to have some bell independence. Ding, 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 yeah, even though it's a little busy for the song we're playing right now in my imaginary head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, that's a good one for you know the idea of playing fills without breaking the groove. You keep the the kick Absolutely. and the snare going, and you can play the toms with the other hand. That mm-hmm. you can't. I don't think anyone could just sit down and do that unless they practiced it. Maybe you're lucky, right. but that takes. A well, lot of and practice. think about who we talked about last week with Stuart Copeland. There's a lot of times where kick and snare are extremely solid. He's just got a lot of improvisation on the hi-hat or yep. on the bell of the ride cymbal. Yep. Um, and, and it's weird because you think like, dude, that's still four on the floor and it's a gab, yeah, but it feels so free because at least one l- limb is free to do whatever and respond musically to what's happening around him. Yeah. So give me an exercise that you're currently working on or something that you're teaching to somebody else. I think the, the first lesson I had that was like, okay, this is independence that's in a musical context. It's not independence. Like, can you play triplets over eighth notes? Like, right. I did all of that that kind of stuff and, you know, like New Breed and all the books to kind of just work on you know, strict coordination. But the first musical thing was my teacher in high school. He had me just play basic beats out of like Carmen Apisa's book or um, rock and bass drum, whatever, like just basic grooves. Sure. And then you know, with with either a quarter note or an eighth note right hand pattern, and then the left foot would go from quarters to ace to off beats, and that was huge. That was because it, it 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 made me realize I can play all these basic beats with one simple change. Not only is it way more challenging, it sounds completely different. It has a totally different feel, yeah. totally different energy. That right. became like my whole thing, and so everything I do now is still kind of. Like that just kind of changed it all. Like, okay, that's that's always an option. I can play the same beat in the verse and the chorus, but maybe I go to the offbeat with the left foot. Totally different I, feel. I agree. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that independence gives you is the independence to to respond to a singer songwriter or a producer that says, "Hey, I love the groove. Don't change anything. I just need it to drive more." And you look around your kit and you go, "Don't change the groove." Okay, I'm playing ride kick and snare you know what let me put in eighth notes with my left foot and now we'll give it this chick 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 and it'll just drive this whole thing forward or if they say the same thing like yeah it's just i just need to have some bounce all right i'm going to give you left foot upbeats and not change anything because you love the groove and i think that that's the level of independence that we all are striving for is that 
it allows us to become you know, a chameleon to the situation. Whatever you need, I've got you. There will never be – I can't stand the thought of, at least in a pop rock setting, a physical limitation holding me back. That would drive me nuts. I don't mind it in fusion or you know, jazz because it's just yeah. – has been, it's been a new focus for me. But in a pop rock setting, after 30-something years of drumming, I should be able to physically do whatever you need from me. And that comes from working on independence diligently, you know, and yeah. and realizing that when you switch out the samba for the bio, you're going to have to start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, you know, quarter notes are going to be challenging. Uh, I remember True. thinking, like, I can't believe how hard this ostinato with my feet and quarter notes alternating my hands is. I could do just right, mm. right, right, but right, left. I was like, why won't it go down? Um, you know, and <laughs> yeah. so that, and it would be the same right now. Like, I, I know that um, I was watching one of the Dave Weckl, uh, what was his his whole series that he put out? He put out like a hands one and uh Oh, yeah. It was like technique and... Yeah. Yeah, those were pretty good. They were on like Carl Fisher, I think, put those out. Yeah. So I think one of his ostinatos was in triplets. It was uh, left foot, then two right. So left, right, right, left, right. And then he kind of would play straight time over it, play 16ths over it. So it was one E and a two E and a three E and a... That vibe. Right, right. And I really did... Playing it as 16ths, I had... I was shocked that I was like, I have to literally learn how to play quarter notes over the top of this. Mm -hmm. I don't get to just start improvising because I've worked really hard on my independence and Dave said to do this. So let me just (laughs) drop the heat on improvisation. (laughs) I had to start with quarter notes and eighth notes and 16th notes and then 16th is doubles, 16th is paradiddles. But once you learn that cycle and you learn how to build freedom over something, whether it be the samba or foot pattern or anything, there's nothing impossible anymore. You understand that. I will do this until my body, until my brain memorizes this motor function. Then I will put quarter notes over it and then eighths. And I will go through this process. And then eventually I will start to have a little bit of freedom to improvise over it. Yeah. You know, and when for me at this stage, independent stuff has become much more subtle. Like, um, of course, yeah. Like very, very recently, I've been exploring using different dynamic shapes with just the hi hat without changing the rhythm that I'm playing. So if I'm playing eighth mm-hmm. notes, I can put a quarter note pulse, I can put an offbeat pulse, or can I just kind of like create little melodies but not changing the yep. rhythm itself? That's been a lot of fun. I just showed that exact thing to the campers this last week. Uh, we were watching James Gadson currently playing with Wolfpack and. He's got this groove, and it, on every uh, maybe second bar, it's got one accent on the end of four on the mm. hi hat. Okay. The hi hat is crazy quiet, and then on the second bar, it's chick, chick, mm-hmm. and that's the hook. That's the turnaround, and that one note. I'm telling you, if I gave just a random bunch of students a basic pop rock groove, and then said, "Okay," and then on the second bar, hit the end of four really loud on the hi hat. They wouldn't know where one is. They wouldn't know when to come back in, like unless yeah. they practiced it, of course. Yeah, they probably rush. I mean, I find that some your time starts to get squirrely when mm-hmm. you start doing that for the first time, and or the yeah. other limbs want to go with it. That's the hard part. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then the the note that follows that hi hat, which is the next bass drum, gets nailed, like you said. Yeah. Um, you can also hear in people's playing uh, this, and this is part of independence as well. You can hear when someone's about to do a fill because, like you said, their time gets a little 
they're, they're anticipating it. They're thinking about it. Their brain's yeah. working extra hard to be like, it's going to be kick, kick, right, right, kick, kick, right. You know, and they're thinking and then the time's just all wavery. And then maybe the bass drum pattern they were playing kind of fades out as they're trying to think about what's coming up. And yeah. that's part of being independent as well. So um, <laughs> in, independence is, I mean, that's really what drum set playing is. You've got four limbs going. It's, yeah, it's not you know, an easy thing to do. And I, you know, as I mess around more with piano and guitar, I'm like, it's all the same. It's all independence. It's all freedom. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's, I think that's why a lot of drummers get stuck in it because you can spend 50 years working on it and never feel like you're completely fluent. It's like, when right. do you say, okay, I've got enough to make some music. Let me see what happens. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at now. Like my left foot independence is half of where it was when I was 21 years old. Really? But I don't really care because <laughs> I, I mean I've I've realized recording that if the if the hi hat is chomping through the whole song it can be it can be a mess so sometimes yeah. I'm not even using the left foot at all uh, right so it's like what do I need to be able to do and I need to be able to play yeah. quarters and eighth, eighth notes I don't need to be able to like improvise with my left foot as if I'm playing like Roy Haynes anymore that's just not right. happening so it's like get to a point when you're like okay can I be free with what the, the tools that I've got. And that's how I'm like, okay, well, no, I can't play off beat 16 with my bass drum very accurately. I've got to practice that and then come right. back a week later. Can I be yeah. free with that? And that, that gridding system of figuring out what subdivision am I in and what are the holes in the grid that if a note shows up there, everything else has to be sacrificed to make that note happen. That's yeah. what I look for in my students is like, look, man, I know that you kind of have this down, but I'm telling you, if your bass player ever just moves over to the E for that note, you're toast. <laughs> or you have to you have to hold both hands up in the air to hit that kick because you can't keep the ghost note going and um, and that's what we look for. Well, I know that we need to thank Dream, but I want to make sure that when we get back from doing that, my favorite independence exercise in the world segues right into one of my favorite drum solos. So first, oh, let's cool, thank cool. Dream, and then we'll chat about that. So Dream, um, you guys should be checking out their website regularly. It looks like they're posting free lessons every once in a while. I mean, every couple of weeks, we're, I mean, we're going back every two weeks to check it out, and there's already you know three or four more up there. So the one... When I was checking out this morning is by a drummer named Patch Mahoney. He's got a pretty wicked 30-second note linear fill lesson up there. There's a nice video of him demonstrating. He's got the notation. He plays it slow. He plays it fast. So it's a quick, like, little bite of, I mean, it's it's not easy. <laughs> He's, he plays all, no, he leaves out two 30-second notes in an entire measure. So it's it's a long measure of pretty cool pattern. Uh, so just go to dreamsymbols.com backslash lessons, and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff there. Maybe I'll grab the audio and drop it in. So let's check out how this fill sounds. So tell me about your favorite independence exercise. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, this was a big part of drum camp for many years. Uh, it was an independence exercise that I was forced to create out of the need to want to do something. And so I found a solo years and years and years ago on YouTube by Terry on Goalie, and he's playing with Christian McBride. And the entire drum solo is against a left-hand cross stick. So get, get. 
And so that became something where I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. What a great theme for a drum solo. I went back to my room and tried it, and I couldn't do it. So I I had to start from scratch. I gridded the bass drum. Doom, 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 doom. Katum, 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 katum. And I did the doubles and the triples, and then I did the same with my right hand. And then I started thinking about polyrhythms. All that kind of stuff. And then eventually I thought, man, this is going to be a fun drum game. I'm going to make the campers do this. And every time someone messes up that left hand, you're out, and we'll just keep cycling through. And all of that. Uh, which then th- made me think, well, if I have to do it with my left hand, I should probably do it with my right hand on a stack. Mm. That gave me the ability to play gent. And then I did it with the <laughs> bass drum. And I wasn't a big four on the floor guy, but I was like, I got disco down. <laughs> so anyways, left foot I had already worked on. But what was funny to me was I thought like, wow, this is insanely hard, but it's everything that I've already done with my left foot growing up. I did everything against a quarter note pulse with my uh, left foot right. or an upbeat. Why didn't I do it with my left hand? Why didn't I do it with my right hand? Uh, and so so anyways, uh, I want to take a listen to this. This is Terry on Gully. If you haven't heard him play before, please check him out. He's definitely one of those drummers that Mike and I reference sometimes that they're too busy to be in the drum scene. Yeah. They're too busy making yeah. music to be in the drum scene. So you might not know him or he might not be a household name, but this dude is a beast. So this is him doing the cross-stick quarter note thing in a musical context in a drum solo where he's playing with the Christian McBride band. saw that band uh gosh i don't know when did that album come out so i don't know if i was living in the area yet or if i was just visiting new york but i saw them at the iridium the old iridium in new york small really? small basement room and it was so intense the whole show was just so intense and i for some reason i recall the drums were kind of like back in a cubby so he was almost like he was in like a like a tank <laughs> okay but on the floor it wasn't like they had a stage i mean you're just everyone right. was just on the floor so intense i mean that was that was a game changer for me to be like okay if you're for real about playing this modern jazz thing there's right. an intensity there that's just relentless the time feel was always like right on the edge everyone was just on the, on the edge of their seat the whole the whole show mm. so intense yeah have you have you met him before or did you get to meet him there uh, not then, but when he played PASIC, probably 2004 or five, something like that, he, okay. I, I met him there and, and we chatted for a bit. He's so humble. He's a, he's kind of a big, intimidating physical presence. He's a big dude. Okay. I think he could have probably played professional football if he wanted to. And he's playing a bop kit sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Tiny little kit, super tiny little yeah. kit. I think he was using like 10 inch hi-hats at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that stuff that he did with, uh, blackout and stuff on Harris, that's, you know, there's like 10-inch snares on there and, and 10-inch yeah, right. hats and stuff. And, yeah. I mean, 
it's just incredible. But he's he's a brilliant drummer, and he's another one of those people that if you're kind of scared off by what you think jazz is, he might be a good gateway drummer for you to get into because you kind of can really. He does a lot of straight time stuff, so you can kind of go, "Oh, I know what those are." Um, yeah, it's like a double live album. I think it's Live at Tonic might be the one. Okay, it's it's two two CDs. I'm sure all of it's on Spotify or Apple Music now, and it's it's start to finish pretty amazing. That's with Christian McBride. Yep, Christian McBride yep. band. Uh, awesome. Before awesome. I get into my first solo, when do you add in improvisation into this practice? Late. I mean, I, I can't. I always equate it to speaking, and I cannot go out and improvise a speech if I only know three words. It's going to be a really boring speech. So I kind of think that I go through the general things. I mean, there are, there's not that much vocabulary when it comes to general drumming. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking like I get all my my grids down. Then, especially with like a cross stick, then I'm thinking, okay, what can go in between that left hand cross stick? Um, I can have, you know, three 16th notes. Cool. I could have two eighth note triplets. You know, what if the second eighth note triplet is the accent one? You know, so I, I go through all those things that are kind mm-hmm. of normal. And then really, I, I would say this, man, I literally just improvise with a timer and find out how long does it take until the whole thing falls apart. If it's under 20 seconds, I got some more vocabulary to work on. I mean, so would you guess you probably put in like an hour of straight technical practice or more before? Oh, you no, no. Begin? Like, like, like an hour a day times a week. Oh, OK. Yeah. So you do, yeah, wait, I, and, you do wait until you're really comfortable with it. I just went through this, so not with this one, but with something that I'm teaching in the camp and something I'll be uh, demoing, Lord willing, that I'll be demoing at the (laughs) UK drum show if I can play it by then. But yeah, so I spent probably a good full week, an hour to two hours a night in the garage working on my vocabulary with this very specific thing uh, before I was like, okay, let me just take a crack at it. I mean, I'll take a crack at it and then it just falls apart within three seconds and I go, Okay. okay, I'm not there yet. Got it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I went through, I think we, what did I say we were going to do? Our favorite drum solos. So these are kind of the ones that I keep going back to as inspiration for various different things. So the first one, I have to call out the great Max Roach because he literally defined, you know, he was the first person to actually write solo drum set pieces. Uh, but I picked one that isn't super well known. It's called Jazz Me. And it's off of his album Survivor, which is a pretty out record where he's playing with a string quartet for half the record and the other half of it is just solo drums. So it's important to remember that Max wasn't just a bebop drummer. He was he was pretty adventurous. He was out. So this uh, this piece, we're just going to listen to a minute of it, but you'll hear that he has a, a very specific theme, A theme, a B theme, and then he kind of goes back and forth, and then he improvises, and he always comes back to the main theme, and that's kind of the way he always constructs solos. And I find it inspiring because it's not like he's not doing a Buddy Rich solo. It's like I wrote a piece of music and I'm playing within it, which is I think is super cool. So this is Jazz Me.
know, the thing that strikes me right off the bat is knowing who Max is, knowing his playing, <clears throat> knowing what's coming up later in that solo. To have that kind of patience in the beginning yeah. to play a drum solo and be like, look, I understand. I know you want your, your doors blown off, especially at a time where drummers were blowing off everyone's doors. Yeah. But you know what? This is music and you're going to hang in for this. And I yeah. know that you're going to hang in for this because you're going to be waiting. Like, when does it go crazy? And then loose? eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it, when he's letting loose, are you singing any of that back to yourself in the car later that day? No. But you might sing that intro back to yourself. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, a master at that. Yeah. He always comes back to his themes, and I think that's for me. That's a guide of like, if I'm going to play a solo, it's not just come out you know, machine gun spray, and it's like make a statement, right. let it breathe, play it again, maybe play it again, maybe play it eight times, and then do something right. different. Right. <laughs> so Which Max, is awesome. you know, he's he's still my all time hero uh, as far as just a drum solo, like deliberate drum soloing. So right. what's your next one? Next one is now I chose instead of solos because I I try hard, especially for the last seven or eight or six or seven years since I've been doing solos. I try not to obsess on specific solos because I'm a little scared it might actually make its way into my playing. So yeah. I have favorite soloists. Um, but this is the Benny Greb drum solo from the Montreal Drum Festival in 2005. And the reason I chose this is because. This was my very first time seeing or hearing of anyone named Benny Greb. Never even heard the name. Mm. And I saw this guy and I was like, wow, that's like the things that I love about the Uber drummers, whether it be Thomas or Marco or, or Virgil. But there's this Steve Gadd thing going on of pocket and feel and dynamics and storytelling that I had. You know, it was weird. I couldn't figure this guy out at the time. We weren't friends yet, and I just was blown away. This was actually, yeah, this was um, 2005. Wow. So this is 13 years ago. Um, and if you hear this from 13 years ago, you'll still hear a lot of today's Benny Greb in there. Mm-hmm. He likes these. He likes you know these big giant ostinato solo sections, and then he brings it down to like playing with his fingers and stuff. So uh, let's give this a listen. I think I saw him at, well, I met him at, at NAMM, maybe around this time. Actually, Thomas Lang was walking him around introducing everybody at that, that okay. year. But I, but then he performed at PASIC a year or two later. And it was, there, there's only been a handful of times at a PASIC where I'm like completely like the hair in the back of my neck is standing up. I'm like, what is going on? And he right. was one of them. It was him, wow. uh, Glenn Kochi, Jack DeJanet, Daphnis Prieto. There hasn't been a ton. Right. I mean, there's yeah, been amazing I mean, drummers I've seen, but there was just something about the way that he delivered his solo on stage that was like, man, that was really something really special. Yeah, he has a courage uh, when it comes to solos where he just has no fear. And you feel mm-hmm. like, man, this is you at your max, no mm-hmm. matter what, you know. 
Um, he's very comfortable and, too, which is that was yeah. inspiring. Like he was really comfortable, even speaking English, and you know he was very kind of self-effacing about that, but just so comfortable. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's amazing, and I mean you can hear the Weckl influence at this time. He's got bongos over his sides. Yeah, yep, splashes so everywhere. This, <laughs> yeah, and it's it, that's what I'm saying is like this was all my favorite drummers coming together in one person. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And uh, so, yeah, so that even though that's probably not my favorite drum solo of his, it's it just exemplifies like he's he's just a great storyteller and has been. All right. What's next for you, buddy? All right. So I'm sticking in the the, the jazz icons. So this one is um, it's called the Freedom Rider. It's by Art Blakey. Again, it's an entirely solo drum performance. I think the whole thing is like eight or nine minutes long. Um, but what I love about Blakey is it's the pure passion and a certain kind of primal just just i mean it's kind of undeniable the power that this dude plays with uh but he's also very resourceful so again he states a theme he'd had some variations he does some improvisation it's nothing super technical but i go back to this solo i probably listen to it once a month and i've had this record for 15 plus years i mean it's it's super cool. So we'll just listen to like the opening segment. You'll kind of hear kind of kind of the African master drummer influence in him. that but th- i can just hear how much influence that guy had on ginger baker yeah. keith moon yeah totally john bonham i mean that that could have easily been a cream concert right if you just put like a, a really i mean that could have easily and then clapton comes in i mean that was super powerful yeah i think he's playing with mallets through most of us so it gives that an extra kind of earthiness but i just love that he'll be like i'm gonna play a groove man and that's enough and it's undeniable yeah. that groove is I mean, that is enough for me. I could listen to that. But, yeah, later on the track, he he, he goes off and does his, his Blakey stuff. But that's sure. one of my all-time favorites. So that's off the album that's called The Freedom Rider. But the track is called The Freedom Rider as well. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So my next thing is, once again, I'm speaking of soloists that I just love. And uh, the top of the top for me, for my personal influence uh, in storytelling uh, is Dave Weckl. So this is just something kind of recent because I wanted you to hear this mainly because this is a – I don't even know where they're grabbing the audio from. It's a live feed or something. But this is definitely not like 
wasn't done for a, an album or anything. And the one thing that you will always get from the great Dave Weckl is his drums will always sound amazing. I know. No matter what. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if you ever watched this show, um, How I Met Your Mother. No, but, I haven't. Okay, so, you know, uh, do you know who Neil Patrick Harris is? Oh, yeah, Doogie Howser. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he had a, a, a male chauvinistic character named Barney in that show, and one of the shticks they had was that he could never take a bad picture, no matter how you tried to grab him. Even if you took the picture and it was bad, when you'd look at your phone, it was great. Okay. I feel like with Weckl, <clears throat> even if you tape him with, like, a Nokia phone from 1999, somehow the recording would still sound amazing. It's like you cannot record him improperly. It's illegal in the universe to record Dave Weckl and have it sound bad. Um, so uh, this is uh, him playing with Oz Noy. The song is called Steroids. And there, it doesn't matter where you start it. It's, you just hear Dave. And, uh, and when you hear Dave, that's when you go back and you go, oh, all that stuff I like on Instagram, that's where it came from? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's this lineage between Elvin and Max and then going into Vinny and Dave that it never really stops. Um, and Tony, yes, don't start writing me emails, all you Tonys. Um, <laughs> all you Tonys. <laughs> Everyone that every time they're like, you about all Tony the Williams. <laughs> yeah. Not, not Tony Pilcher, though. No, he's fine. Pickler. He gave us our intro. Pickler. Pickler, Pilcher, Pitchler, Pitchler. <laughs> now, now I'm the one that just doesn't get it. All right, let's check all out right. Dave Michael. <laughs> for me to ever be comfortable playing it that way but he just makes it sound so good so he's a master of getting the most out of the drum because he is i always tell my students like hey don't put your ghost notes over there just because you think it's quieter you play them in the middle and right but with him he's exploring it for the sound there is a different sound up there and if you know that and you can use the entire circumference of the drum that's fantastic so but i think with dave the one thing that i really have always i or just gravitated towards is that you could grab a five second clip of him and you will see that he's put in millions of hours on the practice pad. You will see that he's rocked out in the garage to Zeppelin. You will see every ounce of work into everything he does. And I just, every time I see him, I go, God dang, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but with your drumming icons, especially the ones that are still alive and still very active, it's funny that we think like, well, one day I'm going to be like that person. Then you realize, well, Dave's practicing as much as you are. So that gap will never close. Yeah, ever. I know. And you know? and he was a freak when he was 17. So it's just that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It just it just and that's it. So we have people like that 
and then we hope that they just stop at 17 and go, that's good enough. Yeah. But Dave's still practicing. So it's like every time I go and see him at Yoshi's, I'm like, God dang. It's exactly <laughs> as it was in 1996. The gap is the exact same distance because you got good while I was trying to get better. So I I truly – I think Dave Weckl and Vinny Caliuta are the two drummers that allow me to still be a kid. I'm 41 years old, but I want to feel like a kid. I want to have that Buddy Rich tape cassette going into the player for the very first time. And when I see Dave play, I do get that feeling and I go, that's awesome. I want to play drums for the rest of my life. So uh, that is the great Dave Weckl. There you go. So my last is actually – it's a two-part explanation. So um – the first one is a, it's another solo drum piece. I went through, a couple of years ago. I went through a period of like gathering up all the solo drum pieces I could find, like with you know a whole track of nothing but drums. Uh, this one is off of an Elvin Jones record called Young Blood. The track is called Ding a Ling a Ling. I got this CD in 1992, and it, I think now that I'm looking thinking back, I think this changed everything for me. Really, as far as hearing the drums purely as an emotional textural mode of expression because there are no patterns there is no groove but it's seven and a half minutes long and i find myself just riveted start to finish he's he's just he's just pouring his soul into the drums in an abstract way but for me it's like that's what it's all about i don't care if you're playing beats or fills or nothing at all I want this. So I'm going to start with this one and then I'll lead into the second one. So here's just the first minute of Ding a Ling a Ling by Elvin Jones. Because, I mean, when you've played as long as, as we have, you can put yourself, you can close your eyes, put yourself in the position and think, what would it take emotionally for you to play like that on the drum set? And yeah. that's, that, my life hasn't led me to a path that would lead to that kind of emotion pouring out of me on the drums. Yeah. And I would never want to fake it if I didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of that take, he was pouring sweat and he had given it all and he was like, I'm done for the day. I mean, you could just. And he wasn't trying to impress it. drummers. It was like, this no. has to come out of me right now. Roll tape. Let's go. Yeah. It was probably like, oh, by the way, we were going to do a bunch of tracks today. No, I'm going to just play a solo right now because I got to do it. <laughs> and we're going to call it Ding a Ling a Ling. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my last pick is actually. It references, I think maybe it references that very performance. I never asked Will Calhoun, but this is a solo tribute that Will Calhoun did called Echoes of Elvin off of his album Native Lands, I believe. Um, and this for me is like the modern version of what Elvin was doing. You'll hear it. We're going to play the whole track. Hopefully we don't get shut down. But the very end of the minute, you'll hear like Will does the, oh, here's the modern version of the Elvin thing. And it's insane. So let's check it out. 
man. Wow. I mean, how badass is that? <laughs> it's like, that was, uh, if you guys do win the contest and get the UE6 Pros, you will know how badass that was because it just shook my entire head while wearing them. That was bananas. It sounded like yeah. some 18-inch floor toms going on there. That was yeah, nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a setup where he has the 18-inch kick on the left that's cranked up higher than a rack tom. So there's some like right. double bass, but it sounds like tom. So, yeah, that's another one of my favorites. So that's Will Calhoun. Amazing. Well, I think that gives our audience tons to chew on and tons to look at. And it also shows all of you guys and gals that there's no one way to do a drum solo. You just have to do it, and it has to be an expression of who you are at that moment in time and a collection of of what you've been in the past. And I, I think it's really cool to hear – I mean, to hear the difference between that and a Dave Weckl solo. You yeah, know? right. Um, yeah, equally amazing. Yeah, or hearing Terry Angoli improvise over quarter notes with his left hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Equally amazing. And so there's room for everyone as long as it's true. If you're up there faking your way through a solo or playing someone else's ideas, people are going to hear it. But if you really want to be great at, s- at soloing and storytelling, you have to be as, as original as possible. And it doesn't mean you have to be the best in the world. You just have to have something to say on the instrument. Very good. All right. So should we shift into checking out this kooky bop pad by Keith McMillian, yeah, McMillan Instruments? It's all you, but this is your wheelhouse, so you <laughs> you go. All right. So I did review this in the June issue. We're actually about to release the July issue next week, I think. So we'll have a whole batch of new stuff to kind of chat through. But this thing is really hard to describe. And I've had people ask me, like, should I get this bop pad? And my first question back to them is, what are you trying to do? If you just need something to hit a pad and have it trigger sounds and samples, it can do that. It's amazing at that. But there's other things that might be a little bit easier. Um, the bot pad is a USB controller, so it doesn't have any sounds. You have to plug it into your computer, and you have to use some sort of sound generator, Ableton Live or something like that. But what this thing does that a lot of pads don't do is it has touch sensitivity and it also can tell where you play on the pad you know, from the center to the edge. And those parameters can control all sorts of stuff. Effects, filters, reverb amounts, all kinds of delays. And there's four quadrants on the thing. So you can have four, four sounds or four whatever you want to call it, four options per the, on the pad. So it's kind of more like if you're into exploring crazier stuff to think of like Zach Danziger's using these and the stuff that he's doing. Um, it's kind of like if anyone had checked out the mandala drum that came out years ago, that was kind of like the, the version of this on steroids where it just did so many different things. And I don't think anyone can really wrap their head around it. It's what I use primarily in my studio when I'm just improvising because it's super crazy and cool. This is a little bit more focused, a little more controlled, but I thought it was really neat that if you press on the pad, you can have the pitch go up. I mean, it does like all wow. kinds of like neat little things that a normal sample pad won't do. Um, so I think this is one of those, if you're looking to get into weird stuff, this would be something to check out. Well, give me a heads up on the dimensions. Like, it's hard to tell from the pictures what this thing is actually uh, like. Is it thick? Is it? No, that's what's really cool about KMI stuff is that they use this fabric. It's like a smart fabric. It's just this white oh. fabric that 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 can tell how hard you're hitting it or touching it and where you're hitting it and where you're touching it. So it's really thin. It's really really lightweight. I mean, you could fit it in a in a, a briefcase wow. easily, and it's not heavy. 
Um, and it's really durable too, so you can kind of you don't have to worry about breaking it. It's not it's not like real, you know. Some sample pads are plastic and they can they can break off and stuff. But yeah, it's it's designed to be durable, um, lightweight. I think it's like eight inches. It's an eight inch pad. Yeah, it's an eight inch plane surface, but the whole pad is like ten inches. Okay, so it's small too. Man, we are so lucky to have drums because anytime somebody says, "Oh yeah, it's an LED light. It's about ten inches," I can visualize my rack tom, and I'm like, "Right, oh, it's way too small. I don't want that." Or, you know, how big is your medium pizza? Fourteen inches. Oh, it's a snare drum. Perfect. Bring it. <laughs> Without our drum set, I would never know how big anything is. Uh, I'll take one Ludwig Acrolyte with pepperoni. Thank you. Uh, so now, do we, do we have any sound of you using this thing? No, I didn't because I didn't want to confuse anyone with like you can get this exact performance with the bop pad because gotcha. you can't. It's totally up to how how deep can you dive into MIDI controllers and stuff within software. Um, but just to know that it can do it can respond to all that stuff that like DJs and and sound designers are doing with like wow. aftertouch and pitch bend and all this kind of neat stuff. So That's it's really kind of like it, whatever you can do. So I would say check out some recent Zach Danziger stuff and you'll see he's got these white pads on his kit and see what he's doing with them. He's controlling like video loops and glitch effects yeah. and all that well, kind of stuff. Well, you know what stuff. though? I mean, not <laughs> at some point, not everybody is just starting out with electronics and some people want to take things further. They want more control. That's yeah. Somebody just asked me yesterday, did you get that Canon C200 for video, for drum tutorials? And I'm like, well, yeah, I understand I could do them with my iPhone, but I've been doing these for 10 years. I want more control. So it right, is worth right. it to me to have something this crazy. And this sounds like the same thing for people like you and people like Zach that are trying to take this stuff further and want more control and more yeah. freedom. I think if you're bored with just hitting a multipad and getting one thing out of it, this is a good option because you can hit it, you can press in it and make it do something different. You can slide the stick around on it and make it do something different. Wow, that's uh, cool. It's pretty neat. So that's the Keith McMillan Instruments bop pad. They have, a, they have a bunch of other kind of cool stuff to check out too, but that's the one specifically for drums. It's only 200 bucks, it. so it's pretty, pretty affordable Dang. for a sample pad. It's not a sample pad. It's a MIDI controller. Don't have to be confused. <laughs> it's a MIDI controller. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into some quick listener questions. All right. Getting a little long-winded here, aren't we? That was my passive-aggressive way of saying <laughs> your your question will be answered with a yes or no. All right. So I I think I have an answer for this, but you might be better to answer this. So this is coming from Corey. He says, I have a question about uploading videos to Instagram. I noticed that after uploading my videos, the audio and videos start to gradually get out of sync as the video progresses. Though when the video starts, everything looks good. Any idea on yep. what causes this and what I can do to fix it? Absolutely. So what's causing it is your – they can only handle about 50 megs uh, or 50 megabytes. So if you're over that, their compression is going to eventually jack up your audio, especially if it's close to that minute mark. So if you're doing decent video quality and maybe your file's at 65 megs or, or 75 or whatever, you, you need to get the app Repost Pro repost pro so what you're going to do if you're making decent quality videos it's a long process but it works so you make your video export it out to your desktop you're going to go from your desktop put it up on dropbox or something uh, you just need to get it onto your phone so make sure when you're rendering your videos you're rendering in a format that your phone can read so i'll put it up on dropbox in 1080p download it to my phone then i go into the repost pro app and I open that video file. What Repost does is they 
encode your video in a way that Instagram can read. So they dumb it down for you. They compress it for you. And then you save it to your phone again in this mm. new compressed format. Right. And then it'll be crystal clear. The audio will stay locked the entire time and you won't have to deal with that. I went through that for a long time. So that's I, I know that's probably a tough way to do it. But if you're doing Instagram videos at, at high quality, you're going to have to you're probably OK with doing that stuff anyways. Yeah. I mean, I've had that happen to me when I use iMovie. Like if, if mm-hmm. I if I edit the movie on my desktop and I export it the right format and whatever, it's fine. But when I do it straight into iMovie on my phone, which is probably exactly what's happening. The file's just too mm-hmm. big. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing it in iMovie and it's straight from your phone, and maybe your phone is set to 4K or anything, yeah, I mean, it right. could, even though it's on your phone, it could still be 100 megs easy. Right, and right. So, yeah. Um, so there you go. Repost Pro, and you'll be set. All right. Next one's from John. He This is a, a question that we've maybe not quite answered before. So he says, how do, would you define punchy? Can you name something familiar or longer-running drum kit lines that might be called punchy? Would that be a Yamaha Recording Custom, a Thomas Star Classic, a Gretsch USA Custom, a Gretsch Renown, etc.? I think any drum set can be punchy based off tuning and and yeah. head choice. Um, so, let's see. Well, what would be not punchy? Ringy? Um, yeah. So, I mean, long tones, no muffling. Yeah. Soft anywhere attack. in sight yep yeah um yeah i mean i think yeah i even think the way you play can be punchy and the yeah. sticks you're using so yep. um that's very true yeah. near z is a very punchy player no matter what he does you're going to hear the attack like he's punching a slab of meat every single right. time it yeah. literally yeah. sounds punchy like he's hitting something and i would say at least in solo settings because i'm not a huge wilco follower but glenn kochi is not overly punchy right no, right yeah he gets As a pretty a legato sound yeah right so yeah so i think it just comes down yeah i mean if i think the easiest way to think about it is wide open 24 inch bass drum hit with medium intensity not punchy 20 inch kick with a pillow inside hit with full force punchy yeah dig the beater in so there's little resonance yeah, yeah. I think, I think we kind of beat around it, but I think it means it has to have a strong attack and not a lot of resonance, right? That would make it punchy. I didn't beat around it. No, Mike, I attacked it head on <laughs> like a freaking man, like somebody that went to CrossFit at 5 a.m. this morning, all right? All right, last, last one. <laughs> oh, man. This one's from Chris. <laughs> he says, I recently bought a Rogers kit from the 70s, and the mounted 13-inch Tom was on a snare stand. This kills the sound of the drum. Um, and I solved it with putting it onto a cymbal stand. So his question is, do you ever experience this? And and he says, I see a lot of drummers using snare stands for the toms, so why is it not killing their sound? That's a good question. <clears throat> First of all, have you, do you ever do – I've never done the snare stand thing because I've always had 10- and 12-inch toms, so I've never really – I do all the time. I do a majority okay. of the time just because it's easy for me to swap drums, easier for me to swap drums. And when I'm playing these festivals, it's a lot easier for me to set up a kit without having to have a cymbal stand with a tom arm mounted off of it. And okay. So I just – I do it all the time. The key for me is not clamping the basket down too tight. Um, mm. Also not clamping the basket down on the – I don't know what part of the hoop you would call that. Not all the way down. I, I clamp. I I bring the okay. snare basket closed so it, it's sitting between the top flange and the yep. 
whatever you call that, the hip. I think <laughs> I think all drummers can visualize what you're talking about. Right yeah, now. so it just uh, kind of rests on top of that. That'll let it resonate more. And I also use the little booty shakers. They're like foam things that go over top of the, the rubber feet of the stand. So it just suspends the drum. I've experienced no issues with tone. It definitely shortens the sustain a little bit, but I kind of want that. Um, right, yeah. I don't want it to just sing forever, especially if there's a bunch of microphones and it's a big rumbly stage that just causes chaos for everyone. Um, right. So I think it's probably something you perceive more from the kit than you do in front of the kit, quite honestly. I totally agree with that. There, it, That's something that we need to dive into someday is just the difference between being behind the kit and being in front of the drum set because yeah. it is yeah. a huge difference. And the third thing is what do the microphones hear versus what you hear? Uh, yep. So I think I think that's I think you're golden. Nice. So get some of those little booty shakers. That's actually mm-hmm. that's going to be my pick of the week right now. I just changed it. Oh. I call an audible. My pick of the week is little booty shakers. You put them on the feet of the snare drum st- or the basket of the snare drum stand. It will resonate fully. You'll never have that choking effect. I'm Done. not trying to be silly. Are they actually called little booty shakers? They're called little booty because they have booty shakers which go on the floor tom legs to suspend okay. the floor tom to increase the sustain. But the, they're called little booty shakers, little Velcro rubber things that just... I've seen them, yeah. Yep. And they're I know they work great. They're great. I use yeah. them all the time, and they're awesome. I mean, we've been using that stuff for put it for uh, studio monitors in your studio. Yeah, you know, exactly. Put, so same same type of vibe. Makes a lot of sense. All right, well, we're jumping into Pick of the Week. Thank you guys for your questions. <laughs> uh, please send your questions into uh, podcast at Mike's Lesson... Modern Drummer... <laughs> Please send all of your emails into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. And you can always send audio questions as well. My pick of the week is something that I don't think in our current world is music world is getting the attention it deserves. And that is just the record label ground up music started by Mike League from the band Snarky Puppy. There is so much amazing, amazing music coming out from this label that we would, without YouTube, we would never know this stuff existed because it wouldn't have a home on MTV. It wouldn't have a home on VH1 back in the day. It would find its way to the back corner of some aisle in Tower Records. But because of things like YouTube and Instagram and everything, we get this incredible music. If you haven't checked out one, Snarky Puppy, please start there. But their bass player, Mike League, started the uh, the label Ground Up Music for Snarky and to then eventually sign other artists. And I would say out of their, I think they have about 18 artists on their roster that they've released albums for, I'd say a good four or five of them are in my top rotation of things I listen to. I'm always listening to Snarky. Um, I listen to uh, Siren Tip quite a bit. That was a pick of a week a while ago. Uh, Banda Magda, I think, is her name or her band's name, and she's amazing. Uh, David Crosby's got an album on there now. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Fork is on there. Amazing band. And if you haven't checked out Corey Henry, check out Corey Henry. He is an absolute monster. Um, so, so yeah, so, uh, ground up music. And if you want, if you want a place to start, just go to youtube.com slash ground up. Uh, let me check. I'm pretty sure it's ground up NY. Um, sorry, it's ground up music NYC. So youtube.com slash ground up music NYC. And you'll see their whole roster of artists. And it's some of the just most creative music being released today. And, and a lot of it is the true definition of world music where you can hear influences from all over the world and you can't pin any of it down. 
And I love that. Yeah, dig it. I mean, they've created such a scene for themselves. It's amazing. Jesus. Don't they have their own festival now, the Ground Up <laughs> yeah. Festival? Yeah, Dude, it's, it's unreal. And awesome. I mean, they came here and played for the campers four, three or four years ago. And they were they were in twelve of them were in a van and trailer one van <laughs> yeah. one trailer and just uh, just to see where they've gone where it's just like they've won two Grammys now two or three Grammys I mean it's just unreal yeah unreal so yeah check yeah. out ground up music and definitely follow Mike League what he's done for this entire scene of music is just impressive he's one of the most humble and kind and talented people I've ever met so there you go all right. All right, so be on the lookout for the contest announcement. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it'll be live, or shortly thereafter, we will be annoying you with it <laughs> throughout yes, the next couple absolutely. weeks. Um, the plan is to have two weeks of chance to enter, and then we'll draw the winner uh, in a couple weeks. And we're going to end the show with Tony Pickler again, since we butchered his name so much. Yeah. I figured let's drop him in again. Nice. <laughs> All right. Have a good week, dude. You too, buddy. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.